Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Permat Podcast. Uh, I am James Prescott, the host. Welcome back to the show. It's really great to have you all here again, and um, I'm excited to do to welcome a new guest to the show today. Um, yeah, um, someone I connected with on Twitter. I actually connected with with her on uh, a thread on Twitter about um, autism in the MCU. I think that's how I. Found out that's how I found you. Um, uh, so Holly Smale, welcome to the Thanks show. Thanks so much. Really happy to be here. Um, yeah, it's great to have you. Holly um, is an author. Uh, she's written some incredible books, uh, including the Geek Girl series, um, which we'll probably talk about at some point later. Um, and yeah, and is now doing a lot of autism activism as well. And we're going to talk about that too. Um, so. Yeah, tell us, tell us a bit of your story, Holly. Yeah, so um, I've been a published writer for probably, I think it's nine years, eight years, um, around that period. Um, and I wrote a book series called Geek Girl, which you mentioned, um, which is about essentially me as a teenager. So I was um, a very, I think socially awkward would be a, a, a nice way of putting it, um, just completely... <laughs> completely inept with any kind of interaction with other human beings um ever since i was young um and just um yeah incredibly found the world very difficult to understand generally and so i wrote this character who was based on me as a teenager who communicated in the same way that i communicated um and he was struggling with being bullied at school quite badly um Mm -hmm. And then she's spotted by a modelling agency, which is what happened to me when I was fifteen. Um, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a sort of a contemporary fairy tale, you know, um, sort of ordinary girl given an extraordinary life, that kind of fairy tale. Um, and it did really well, and I sold um, a few million copies, um, which you know was great. And uh, I've been writing. I think I wrote. I've written eleven books now. Um, and then last year, um, the end of last year, actually November last year, it's coming up to my one year anniversary, I was diagnosed autistic, um, which hadn't been something I realised before, but actually in hindsight, people had been mentioning it since I was a, <laughs> since I was a child, um, but it hadn't really sunk in. Um, as in, I hadn't, I hadn't understood what they were saying because I'm autistic. So unless someone actually uh, mm. gives me the, like, you know, the actual words I'm not going to understand um so all the implications had been ignored yeah. and um I'd been struggling and so I I, I realized I was autistic I was given a diagnosis and it completely changed my life it changed the way that I saw myself um it changed the mental health issues that I'd been going through not overnight obviously it's not like a fix-all but it definitely helped me to start working through those mental health mm-hmm. issues um, and it made me look at my books in a very different way. And I realised that the, the this this character that I'd written, Harriet, who had been my, as a writer's, desperate way to communicate with the world, how it felt to be different, different as a teenager, different as a, as a human. And that the word I'd actually been trying to look for was autistic. <laughs> I just didn't know. Um, so, yeah, I realised that my character was also autistic. And actually, I'd been writing about autism for a decade without actually knowing that's what it was called. So, yeah, so I've been pretty active ever since because, you know, I think if you can be nearly 40 years old and you can spend nearly a decade writing about autism and still not know that you're autistic, um, it, that there's a lot of awareness 
that that needs to be you know changed out there around autism um around around you know female diagnosis especially um and around you know basically how we should be treated by everyone and the fact that it's not in my my perspective um a disorder so yeah that's me in a nutshell i guess yeah that's that's a really interesting story um yeah and it, it, i mean i'm i'm on the spectrum as well i mean i haven't got an official diagnosis as yet although um an occupational health therapist has unofficially diagnosed me um and uh i was kind of the same in that i didn't had no idea um um about about it at all until really i was in my 30s and my sister started working in mental health and working with autistic people and started to realize that, you know, I had all the symptoms. Um, so yeah, I understand. I understand that. You know, sometimes you, you have to have everything explained to you. Sometimes you just, you don't, you don't, you can't just assume everything. No, like, it's not the way it works. Is it? I think people get a bit confused because they're like, how could you be autistic and not know? And you're like, well, why would you know? Because your experience of a life, like anybody else's experience of life, is your experience of life. And you kind of assume that everybody experiences it similarly. And if they don't, it's not because you've got a pathologically diagnosed condition. You know, that it's, it's you, you just wouldn't, especially if you're not um, caught early or young. Um, and especially if you're not fitting what the, you know, stereotype on on films and tv is so yeah i think i think so many of us have gone undiagnosed over the years basically yeah i mean i i I literally had to teach myself social skills like on the fly um yeah yeah. i mean social skills for me aren't real they are what i've learned over the years what i've observed because i've I've studied humans ever since i was a child like i remember studying other children when i was three four years old and working out what what they did, how they spoke to each other, what voices they used, what when did they laugh and when didn't they laugh? How where did they put their eyes? Like I, I studied yeah, yeah. every single element. <laughs> like, I did all of this. Yeah, I did all of this too. I, I just didn't I just didn't tell anyone because I was too scared to tell anyone. <laughs> like, you know, I just assumed that there was, you know, something wrong with me or that I just didn't have confidence or that I just, you know, like just just yeah, I had to figure it all out. And I, I remember when I used to be in a church a, long, a few years ago, and I, I used to stand in, in social groups talking, just literally trying to figure out what the tone of the conversation was and if there was any, like, jokes going on or whether they were being serious. Yes. I had to, like, figure out whether people were joking or not. Like, I still have in to. My head. I still have I mean, I... Um, when I was when I was little, I was. Uh, I mean, looking back, it's it's a bonkers that no one actually noticed. But then it was a different time, you know. Like um, for people of our generation, it it, it wasn't known. Like it mm. wasn't it. You know, basically, if you were autistic and speaking, it almost wasn't a thing. Um, so yeah. It, yeah. it's not surprising that it went missed then in the eighties. Um, but I remember being like seven or eight years old, and my my family famously um, used to talk about the fact that I had no sense of humour and that it was a problem. So my grandma, my grandma went and bought me a ha ha bunk book of jokes, and she gave it to me, and I studied it like as in I carried it around with me with a pen, and I would um, I would 
read out the jokes and I would watch people's faces and if they thought it was funny I would write a tick next to it because I would be like that was a funny joke so that's that's what I should remember I should learn that joke as a funny one and if they didn't laugh I'd put a cross next to it and obviously (laughs) obviously everyone laughed because I was an eight-year-old staring at them reading out from a joke book um but I didn't realize that I just thought that it was about whether or not so I tried to learn what what comedy was from a book and obviously you know I write comedy now that's what's really really funny is that I write comedy books um so I have obviously found my sense of humor eventually but I didn't have one naturally (laughs) I I like you know I I didn't understand what the point was I was like why would you say something that isn't true or why would you say something that didn't happen just because it's funny like (laughs) um yeah yeah uh, yeah um, and like you say, I felt like there was something wrong. I mean, I I knew there was something different about me when I was three years old. It was it. It's not like I think people think that you've spent your life going, "I'm normal, I'm normal, everything's fine." I'm really like having a lovely normal life, and then suddenly you go, "Hey, I'm autistic." Doesn't happen. Literally, never happens. No. That never happens. Never. No. Like I read on tweet um, the other day, they were like, "Oh, as if people just get to like their thirties and forties and then go, oh my goodness, I'm autistic,' and I never realised." And you're like. You know something's different and, and maybe quote wrong. You don't know what it is, but you already you do know something's off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. That's right. And yeah, and I always, I always wonder why when I'm in a set pattern of, of doing something and I have it in my head, I'm going to do something at a certain time, and then that gets disrupted at the last minute. That I got all flustered. You know, that, that I got all kind of thrown out of my rhythm but it's because i'm on the spectrum uh, it's just the way our brains I, mean, work. I have adhd i have adhd and, and high, high sensitivity as well yeah it's just how our brains work yeah um, wrong with it. and once that's... once you understand that it's it's yeah it's so once you, once you understand it's how our brains work yeah exactly yeah i mean right. like the more i understand about monotropism which is my preferred theory of autism and adhd actually um which you know is that most brains the polytropic brain is the normal brain as in the majority brain and you know it's not, it, it means that you can filter and process lots of information whether it's coming from outside whether it's noise or conversation or whether it's you know i whatever's coming in from the outside but also from the inside you know what your body's telling you what your emotions are telling you all that kind of thing and polytropic brains, the average brain, can can process and filter all that. And, and autistic brains, which are monotropic, cannot. And it's not because we're broken. It's just because there's a part of that we are we are designed, we are wired to be that way. It would have been helpful thousands of years ago, um, well, millions of years ago. It would have been really helpful that we we are needed, we are necessary. Um, but it just means that it can be difficult for us to switch topics. It can be difficult to have our routines interrupted. Like if something doesn't happen that I'm expecting to happen, you know, whether it's a meeting or a friend, coffee, whatever it is, I get like so full of like just distress and rage. <laughs> like I'm, I, I have, I become like completely overwhelmed and have to like, you know, I usually, sometimes I kick off. Sometimes I, if it's really bad. I can melt down. Like it's, yeah, it's just because my monotropic brain is like it's working in straight lines. It's like this is what's going to happen. This is where all my focus is, and now it's physically distressing to pull me out of that. Um, yeah, but it's yeah, there's it's nothing wrong with us. It just it's just our brains are wired a different way. Um, it just happens to be the minority, which as always. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, and all of what you're saying resonates with me as well. <laughs> <laughs> You spend your life feeling like an alien and then you find your people. 
That's right, yeah. I don't talk to autistic people very often, actually. Um, it's funny. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, you're right. And it, it, it makes, when you find out, when you kind of realize that you're autistic, it, it's not that, it's like, oh, like, oh, that, that's interesting. It's like, oh, that makes sense of a lot of things I already knew and I already experienced. And yeah. uh, that was certainly the case with me. Yeah, it's like being hit around the head with a, like, it, my, I, a few years ago, it was meant, in fact, it's been mentioned sporadically. My, my character, Geek Girl, has been, you know, the amount of times people have said, she's autistic, right? And I've been like, what? No, she's just really, really clever, but completely unable to talk to other human beings or process emotions. Um, but, like, even though it was mentioned, and also I was asked repeatedly, I was on the spectrum, um, I... I couldn't quite go there. I, I wasn't. I wasn't ready to go there. Um, I was too scared. I was, and every time I googled it, it would say lack of empathy. Um, it would have just horrible things written, and I was like, I don't want to be that person, and I don't believe I am that person in many, many ways. Um, I definitely feel empathy, so that's not something I personally struggle with. Um, but like, I, I, I wasn't ready to to accept that status. I guess that label. Um, but the moment I did, the moment I was ready, it changed everything. It, it made me see my life completely differently. Um, and now I'm mostly just proud that I've managed to get through 39 years of enormous trauma a lot of the time, <laughs> like in one piece. And I think that's mm. to be, you know, proud of, I guess. Yeah, I mean, how did how did getting what changed when you got the diagnosis? What was it? Yeah, how, how did your life change? How were you able to start? What what things that were not working in your life managed to suddenly? You were able to get some clarity and sense around them. Well, I mean, the reality is that nothing nothing actually changes, and it's not like you suddenly go, "Oh, now I'm now I know I'm autistic. I'm able to have um, really great conversations with strangers." Like it, it, it's it's not. It's not that simple. It's not like I'm suddenly, you know, I've, I've, I've personally, I mean, each of us, each autistic person has struggled in different ways. You know, we, we're all very different people. So some of us are good mm. at something, some of us are less good at others. I've personally struggled on the romantic relationship side. I, I have trauma in my past as a result of being autistic um, and the result of um, some men being assholes. Um, but um, a kind of combination of those things has meant that I have been completely unable to um, hold down a relationship. And, um, you know, it's not like suddenly I get an autism diagnosis and then go, oh, my God, everything's fixed. Right. That's really going to be easy now. Um, it remains difficult. But I think that a lot of my pain in the past has been in not understanding and I'm not understanding why and, and wondering if there's something wrong with me. And now I'm like, mm. that shame has gone. I don't feel shame now. And I think that is the biggest change. It's not something that physically stops. It's not like you're like, okay, my life is now completely physically different. It's just that you lose all that fear and shame and confusion that you had before. Um, and I don't blame myself anymore. I'm like, no, relationships with humans generally is difficult for me. It always has been. So, of course, maintaining a, an intimate relationship with one person for a long period of time is very difficult like it is just incredibly difficult for mm. me um and that makes sense and it's not my fault so yeah I think it's not so much that things have 
like just changed overnight and more that all of the negative emotions and self-hatred has has slowly started to ease and that is the change it's the difference in how you feel about yourself I think yeah I think I think that's why other other people I've spoken to when they get diagnosis for for autism or, or even for other other things it it doesn't necessarily change things it just gives you a bit of I guess clarity and and like you say freedom from shame because you can be you and not be ashamed you can be proud of who you are um, and you can take steps and a little bit further I mean all of us mask so you can slowly take baby steps towards being more you and less what you're trying to be I mean you know just using dating as an example I've been you know so many times on dates or with boyfriends that I've had not very long I've been accused of being fake or um scripted ironically which they didn't realize was, <laughs> was an incredibly <laughs> autistic term but like um that I was that I was not being real or genuine and that always hurt me because I was like I know but this is what I feel like all the time <laughs> like I was like anytime I talk to another human being I feel scripted and fake because I am being scripted and fake I am not being real um and they picked up on it so I guess you know it's it's slowly starting to be more yourself maybe as well as driving and also learning to manage yourself better so I realise now, as a result of my autism diagnosis, that one of the main reasons I have meltdowns historically is sensory issues. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think we all have our trigger points. And for me, noise is one of my biggest. Um, I'm synesthetic as well, which means that that loud noise doesn't just hurt me, it also turns into lights and colours. So it can be incredibly overwhelming, like being at a bioware display. and I tend to have a huge meltdown then. And my diagnosis means that I am able to avoid it and I'm able to put measures into place, whether it's headphones or earplugs or, you know, literally an eye patch thing, blinding, what's it called, <laughs> like a thing you strap on your head, cover your eyes. Um, an eye patch, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Eye mask. Or blind or something. Eye mask. Yeah. <laughs> I'm off, exactly. yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm able to put those into a position, which means that I can protect myself more and I don't have meltdowns now. I mean, I, I haven't had a meltdown since diagnosis because I can protect myself from the things that give me meltdowns, um, which is massive. It's life-changing. Um, so, yeah, I think that diagnosis makes so much difference in so many different ways. Mm. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, noise is one of the one of those ones for me like once I didn't realize that was a that was an autistic thing uh, until I think about a year ago um and I was and I, and, and I read it and I was like oh my gosh that's why I hate loud noises yeah. that's why I get annoyed when there's a loud noise that's why when some big motorbike comes past loudly on the road and I'm walking down I get I feel angry I literally physically like cower like I I flinch you know I do the same it's it painful like I don't think people I always assumed that everyone found it painful I couldn't quite understand how everyone was walking around in so much pain all the time but just being totally normal about it um which is another thing where like people like you must have realized you're like I realized it was painful for me I didn't realize it wasn't painful for everybody (laughs) um so yeah I I with with noise and and noise is one of my 
greatest tr- triggers and and I yeah right ra- not just it, rage definitely I definitely have misophonia but like also just just physically hurts me it hurts my whole body um and you know being able to remove myself from those situations and and you know I've got these little like kind of ear pluggy things which really help um it's life-changing and it means I can and also I do, I'm not ashamed of it now. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm putting in my, my earplugs because this is just a bit too much, you know? It's too too much for me to be in this environment um, as opposed to just waiting until I have a full meltdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is, it's... And it's crazy as well that I've had meltdowns since I was a baby, like big ones. Like I think some people assume that, you know, when, I, when I'm talking about meltdowns, I'm talking about like I get a bit upset. But I'm like, I have fully what people would describe as classic autistic um I did quotation marks you can't see that as a podcast (laughs) um um, classic 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 meltdowns classic autistic meltdowns where I am rocking and I am scratching myself all over like I am usually covered in blood by the time I come out like I I disassociate so hard it's like I've blacked out um I am always in pain afterwards I am usually screaming or making crazy noises that I can't even remember properly afterwards um it's a full classic meltdown um but Mm. I'm a woman or I was a little girl and when you're a little girl and you do that you're told you're having hissy fits and you're being dramatic and that you need to stop being such an attention-seeking little princess um and 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 gender does come into it, you know, because it was bloody yeah. obvious that they were autistic autistic meltdowns. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Yeah, and that's something I wanted to get onto really is, is because I know you talk a lot about, particularly about um, stigma around women um, with autism, um, and you've only written about it in different places and stuff. Um, so t- tell us tell us a bit more about that um, and how how being autistic is, is even more of a challenge for, for women. I mean, I think it's probably the experience of being autistic is probably, is probably very similar. I think that the difference is, is that we live in a world that's not built for women. Um, and, you know, obviously historically, when you go back through the history of autism and where it came from, where it was, um, and, you know, it, it was, it was on boys, it was on little boys, it was on little white boys specifically. Um, so everything we we think we know about autism has been built on this very very much um, you know patriarchally white male based by white male scientists um, studies that they've done. Um, so for a, for a long time they didn't believe that women could be autistic. In fact, there are still papers being published right to now that still don't believe that women can be autistic. One one prominent psychologist um, who works in a university in Paris um, stated that he believes that autistic women really are just uh, women with personality disorders who are blaming it on autism um, because apparently he believes that autism is a male-gendered thing, which is bonkers. Um, there aren't very many what? Oh, my goodness. I know there aren't very many neuro- neurological things that are related to one gender and one race, but there we go. Um, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so wow, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. So historically, <laughs> historically, women and girls have been left out of the studies. They've been left out of, and, and as a result, not only do we not have a, a particularly wide knowledge of autism because it's been so focused on little white boys, but it also means that women and girls get missed. Um, 
And the experience, the life experiences of autistic women and girls can be very different to those of men because we experience life differently to men um, and boys. So, you know, statistics on rape and assault are much higher for autistic women than for normal women. Um, you know, uh, we can be very easily manipulated. We're often in danger, um, physical danger, because we shut down and we can't run. Um there are lots of things that we go through, which I'm sure men and boys do also go through, but not to an extent that women and girls do when they're autistic. But none of that's been studied properly because obviously we weren't part of the white boy brigade back in the day. So it's it's a, it's a very interesting part of psychology and neurology, I think, because I think it's something that's changing really quickly. Um it's quite exciting to be at the forefront of that, I think, um, but also incredibly frustrating because these old ideas that are completely out of sync and out of, you know, have never been updated, they're still whirling around and that can be really frustrating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can, I, I'm, I'm staggered really that there are people who still think it's a male-only condition. Yeah. Oh, it, it, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah i can't even comprehend that Um, there was an author who the other day like a few weeks ago um i mean every day you wake up you go on social media and there's another thing that's outrageously offensive on the internet um it's just part of the fun i mean the things i've been called since coming out i mean i i knew that as someone who was relatively in the public eye before i came out as autistic that i had to make a very careful decision on whether that was a good idea or not you know and i weighed it up a lot of people have been under the assumption that I got on a diagnosis and then I hopped on Twitter and went, guys, guys. <laughs> um, there was actually nine months between my my in- initial diagnosis and me speaking publicly about it. Um, while, I, while I spoke to my therapist and I decided if it was something I wanted to share with the world and I decided if I was ready and if I was strong enough um, to deal with the backlash, which was inevitable. Um, and I did get that lash, and I'm sure you get it on Twitter as well. You get absolute nonsense tweeted at you. you get called so many names. Um, do you find that as well? Yeah, to a certain extent. Um, I I don't talk about my, I don't talk about autism as much. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I I've seen it and I've experienced it. I've you know, I've been. I've been told it's an excuse or whatever. Um, you know, it's horrible things. Um, uh, and I've seen it with other people. I've seen it. I've seen it on your timeline as well. Like it, it's, it's just there's so much ignorance and so much stigma out there still. You know, and it's twenty. Well, we're recording in twenty twenty one. You know, and it, it's still there's still all this stigma and 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 a lack of awareness and a lack of knowledge. Mm. Out there, um, and cruelty and, as well. Like even if, even without, if you took away the lack of knowledge and the lack of like you know information, there's cruelty. Like even if, even if the things they thought were right, you still shouldn't say it's a human being on the internet. You know what I mean? Like being told that you're broken and a disorder and you should be wiped off the face of the planet because you're not a proper human being, or, or you know, because I get I get both ends of the the, the, of the insult spectrum I get I get that I'm I'm you know broken and and that I can't possibly believe to be believed anything I say is can't be taken seriously because I'm autistic so I don't have the bandwidth or the you know it, the intelligence to make a decent argument um on the flip side the argument that I can't possibly be autistic because I don't present autistic enough to them the stranger on the internet who's never met me um 
so it's you get both ends of the, that that kind of thing and it was something I had to do really mm. carefully before I came out um I say came out she became came alt like alt <laughs> um aut um but it is something that it's still very much there and, and know that you know no autistic person has is, is oblivious to that we struggle against it constantly um whether it's people going, well, you don't look autistic or, you know, you, 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 you've done pretty well considering or, you know, whatever it is. There's just so many opinions about you and your neurology once you speak about it. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, yeah, um, and I have people ask me about, about, about the conditions that I have and what they mean, you know, because I, you know, I have, like I said, ADHD and I'm also so rejection sensitive dysmorphia and um and you know other other uh, other things um and, and probably PTSD of some kind uh, probably given my trauma I can't any um, person on the planet doesn't have PTSD like it's it's not I think I can't believe that any autistic person has managed to go through life without without some kind of enormous trauma that they're having to carry with them essentially yeah yeah, I mean, I, I have. I've been through major trauma. People who listen to this podcast regularly will know. Uh, I told my story um, a while back and uh, lots of trauma. <laughs> um, you know, and I didn't get any attention paid to me as a you know, teenager when, you know, I was probably presenting a lot of those um, traits um, that would have been picked up nowadays, yeah. um, but wouldn't it wouldn't have been picked up then. So, yeah um and, and there's, so, yeah, there's no support know. either so even if when it is picked up I mean that's that's something that needs to change you know you you can be diagnosed and then you can walk away with your certificate that says yes you're autistic and literally other than the work that you put in yourself nothing there's nothing there's no there's no support there's no kind of groups there's no like you know you, you don't get anything you just have to work through it on your own um and that has to change there has to be easier diagnosis more information and there has to be support for people um because we're having to deal with a lot and a lot of it is trauma a lot of it is not being autistic a lot of it is the trauma that comes because of that yeah absolutely absolutely that's right um i i I know that when i get triggered and i have when i get frustrated and you know and one of the things that often comes out is i wish people understood i wish people could just understand and empathize with what this is like um, and what it's like to feel like this because um, and you can still feel shame about about having those kind of meltdowns because you think oh what's everyone going to think of me when they see this you know how am I going to come across to people like and I know this is just how my brain works you know and I can try and regulate regulate my behavior and try and regulate my response to it but it's still going to happen sometimes and then you know and then you kind of but you're scared of it happening in front of people because you're scared that they won't understand. And, um, totally. you it's know. terrifying. You live a life on a, on a knife edge um, of what's going to happen if, you know, for instance, meltdowns, which are really, really scary. Um, I think people don't realise how scary they can be. You know, they're, they are, they're painful and they're distressing and they're terrifying and you can't control them. So where are they going to happen? Are they going to be in public? Are they going to be, you know, are you going to, what's going to happen to you if you're in the really bad place at a bad time? Like it's, it's, yeah, of course there's shame in that. Like, you know, it's, we're humans. It's, it, would be, it would be crazy if we weren't embarrassed and scared of, of those things. Um, 
but again like you say and and again it's 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 nothing is taken nothing can be taken in on its own and and who you are the the, the body you're born in you know whether you're male or female or non-binary whether you're you know wh- whatever race you are it affects how people are going to judge you as a result um and I think that's really scary as well I think that you know for instance if you are um a black man having a meltdown you're going to have a very different reaction for instance from the public from the police than um a, a tiny white woman um and I think that it's that there has to be more information and there has to be more knowledge about it um, to make it safer for all of us. Um, but yeah, it's it's it feels like we're at the, the very not very far up, a very big slide that we have to try and climb up. That's right. Yeah. Um. But I think as well, like you know, I, and one of the reasons that I try and speak out on Twitter, um, I think I think that. Sometimes when you're talking about autism and you, and you make it more fun, if you're talking about, for instance, MCU characters um, or you're talking about Grey's Anatomy or whatever, and you're finding the characters there that are very clearly autistic but which haven't been um, outed as autistic, essentially, um, I think it's a way of relating back to the world in a way that the world is more ready to understand, if that makes sense. I think it's, it can sometimes be more yeah. surprising and more shocking. It does. And I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, that that thread that you posted on the MCU, believe it or not, it would – I read that and I felt, I felt solidarity. I felt, like, a little bit less alone in the world. I felt empathy. I felt um, – and I actually felt more confident because I was like, <laughs> there was this, there was this part of it that was like, oh, I can be Tony Stark, like, you know, I can be confident and outgoing and friendly, and you know, and it makes a difference. Um, it makes a real difference, and I think that's what we forget sometimes. Is that when I was going through my diagnosis um, process, like in between me realizing, me speaking to my therapist and her going, uh, yeah, um, and me going again on a proper psychological diagnosis, I was doing a lot of reading and and a lot of you know my head was all over the shop and I was really emotional. And I was watching Grey's Anatomy, and that was when I realized that Christina Yang from Grey's Anatomy is one of the best um, female autistic characters on TV. Um, but like you say, the impact that had on me was enormous because suddenly I started feeling like, you know what, if Christina Yang, who was badass, is autistic, then I might be okay with this. Like, this could be okay. And you realise that normal human beings, neurotypical human beings, not all of them, obviously, because other, other um, you know, kind of intersectional stuff comes into play as well. Um, but a lot of people in the world get to turn on TV, go to the movies, we pick up books, listen to music, and they get to see themselves reflected. And they get to see, you know, people they can relate to and identify with and people to look up to and heroes that are like them, right? But when you are someone who is not being reflected, and this goes, this goes, way beyond past autism also goes into obviously race and and all sorts of minorities but when you are part of a um a a category that doesn't get reflected in tv and and film then you don't get that you don't get to see yourself you don't get the tick of approval or the verification that you are normal that you're okay that you are someone to be proud of and i think that's why i spend quite so much time looking for autistic characters in the fictional world who are unintentionally fictional, um, unintentionally autistic, or sometimes intentionally autistic, but they just haven't been actually labelled it. Um, 
because we deserve that too we deserve to like you say see people that make us feel more confident and that make us feel like we're not broken and that we can achieve things and that we are awesome and brilliant and 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 lovable and we don't get that enough and I think that's why it's one of the reasons that I was so public about my my character in my books because you know three and a half million people bought her and loved her which means that they loved an autistic character so it was really important for me to say you love her she's autistic because she's badass that is why you love her (laughs) um and I I feel the same way about Tony Stark and I feel the same way about Christina Yang and I feel the same way about Lisa Simpson and all the other undiagnosed canonically autistic characters because we deserve to see ourselves and be proud of ourselves absolutely we do yeah and yeah, um, I, I literally watched the Iron Man trilogy after that after that thread. <laughs> I did. And I was like, I was I was paying attention. I was like, oh my god, it? yeah, it's there. It's all. It's everywhere. Like when you once you know about a character, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. You know? um, and actually, um, um, what's his name? Oh my, complete. Uh, uh, the director. Oh, his name has completely escaped my my head. Um, but he. He described her. He described Tony as um, on the spectrum, so he is not just us making this up. Oh, Kevin Feige, yeah, yeah. the uh, producer yeah, 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 of the yeah. MCU, That's yeah, it. yeah. He said that he was Asperger's, and obviously, as we know, Asperger's means autistic. So, um, yeah, it, it's it, it is nice having that little kind of affirmation that, like, yes, <laughs> of course he is, and everyone going, you know, I know that we talked about it, you know, but he does, he's confident, but he's, and you're like. He's a billionaire white man. What do you think? He's, he probably hasn't been quite through so much trauma as the average person on the street. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Tony, Tony loses loses both his parents, doesn't he? He does. He does. But that's quite uh, a different type of trauma. That's um. Oh, it is. It is a very different kind of trauma. Yeah. I mean, I know. I've, I lost. I lost a parent I'm too. Sorry. But yeah. I did. That's not the only trauma I went through. Yeah. And it's a different kind of trauma because it's not related to who he is, right? It's it's. Exactly. It's yeah. Exactly. We're going through yeah. traumas that are because of some fundamentally perceived flaw in you. That's a that's a different type of trauma. Um, and I I see very little of that in Iron Man. I see I see a man who essentially has has grown being given the freedom to do and be who he is. Um, so that's you know that's why he probably doesn't present in in a way that we sometimes expect. But I think that's what's more important. Same with Christina Yang, you know, she is an Asian surgeon, um, and that's not and a woman. And I don't think that's that's what we expect because as we've looked at you know if you look at, at autism over the generations in TV and film, they've all been white men and they've all been physicists and mathematicians <laughs> like. Um, because they still believe, because of <clears throat> Simon Baron Cohen, um, they still believe that the autistic brain um, likes maths and science, and that's that's the limitations of our brains, apparently, um, which is nonsense. <laughs> it is because I I'm not a massive fan of of maths, and I wasn't I wasn't any good at science at school. Um, Ironically, actually, since I've grown up, I'm actually got more interested in science now than I was when I was a kid, um, which is interesting. Um, I love science. Yeah, I've always been a. <laughs> I was. I've always been a. I, you know, I was. I've always been a, a like a creative person. I, you know, writing, drawing, podcasting. You know, um, that's what I do. I don't. You know, I've always been a kind of. So the whole idea that autistic doesn't doesn't mean 
you can't doesn't mean creative is really it's ridiculous. I mean, you proved you're living proof of that as well. I am. I mean, I think <laughs> you know? I think for me, what's hilarious is that you know these scientists they struggle and struggle and struggle to understand the autistic brain, and you're like, just ask because we can tell you it's not an issue. Like, you know, I can very easily pinpoint why they think that maths and science are the reasons because the autistic brain likes to focus, it likes detail, it likes regimentation, it likes putting things in order, it likes um, you know following a natural path. Um, which leads to maths and science. And that's why there are a lot of brilliant um, scientists and mathematicians who are also autistic. But those skills are also present in multiple multiple types of, um, you know, of, of creativity. You look at writing, that's dismantling language and putting it back together again, um, which is exactly the same thing as if you were an engineer or a scientist. Um, it's just doing it with words instead of doing it with blocks. Um, you know, and actually, ironically, 80% of hyperlexic children, um, which is what I am, um, are also autistic. So there is no small crossover there. Um, and the same goes for art and the same goes for psychology and the same goes for history and classics and whatever you that requires study and dismantling and putting back together again and putting in order and making sense of and all the autistic skills that we are so strong at. Um, it applies to so many different areas, <laughs> all of them. It applies to all of them. And that's what makes me like completely mad at the scientists who are like, maths and science, maths and science. <laughs> like, just because you like science, mate, doesn't mean that everybody has the right science. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Theory of mind. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. Um, this has been such a great conversation. I've really. Um... It's been nice to find some solidarity, I think, and nice to kind of just raise some awareness as well. And um, because we all need to educate ourselves a bit more on, on this, and you know, especially the stuff about um, the gender uh, differences um, and you know the, the, those challenges as well. So, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's been really, really fun. Um, I think. I think that you know kind of just just talking I think sometimes just talking about this being autistic and and the different types of us you know there are as many different types of autistic people as there are autistic people because none of us are the same um and I think that when I was you know and I got my diagnosis talking about it publicly I was like what as always I made lists so always always make lists I made lists for six months pros and cons of of speaking publicly <laughs> um and I was like, you know, against it, you know, I, I'm going to get ripped apart by various parts of the of the general world, um, and I'm never going to be able to hide it again, and it's going to be on Wikipedia for the rest of my life, and you know, whatever, all those things. But I was like, I can be just one more voice that is out there talking about it, and that isn't the typical, you know, what people think of when they think of of autism. So I'm providing a different type of person. And that has to be a good thing. And I think that's, you know, what this podcast does as well, which is just just open the conversation to how many of us that there are and how many different types of people exist. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, if you wanna if you wanna follow Holly on social media, she is um, at Holse uh, um, whole smile yeah at whole smile whole smile oh, it's, it's at h-o-l-s-m-a-l-e yes. yes 
on Twitter, and she's great and really fun to talk to and interact with. And um, <laughs> all her books are available on where you get books. Um, you've probably heard of them already, um, but uh, if you haven't, go and check them out. Um, yeah, thank you, Holly, for, for coming on it. I really appreciate it. Thanks, James. It's been really fun. <laughs> It has. It really has. I'll catch you online. (laughs) Yes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.